Well, welcome again to week three. Pray that you're blessed today as we unpack the gift that grace is. And to help you think about it today, I want you to, to think about people. Like, and I would, tell, I would tell you that I believe people fit into one of three categories. Like, first, there are people who are like my wife, people who are easy to love. Like, my wife is e- easy to love. I believe she's generous. Uh, she forgets quickly and forgives easily. Uh, she's generous with her resources and her time. She is on time, and she's an Ohio State fan. Just one of the reasons why she's so easy to love. Like people like that, caring people, generous people, people who forgive easily, people who love a lot are, are, are really easy to love. And you might know someone like that, be married to someone like that. You might be someone like that. And then there's category two people like me. Like honestly, people who you love and are lovable most of the time, but aren't always so easy to love. Like my wife's generosity spills over at Christmas and, and the Grinch in me grumbles as I look at the checkbook and how many times she's swiped the charge card or ordered something on Amazon. I'm like, did we seriously order 10 things this last week? No, in one day? Like, I'm not so generous. Uh, people that I work with and people that know me well probably would say I, I don't forget as quickly as she does all the time. And, and sometimes... There are things about me that are, aren't so easy to love. Like people, some are just easy to love all the time. Some we love but are harder to love. And then category three, people that we probably simply can't. Like that ex who simply one day decided, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm done. And the hurt is still that real, that raw, and that big. Like, they might not be on your Christmas list because of the pain. Or maybe it's that person, that person at work who, who caused the, the boss to notice your work effort and, and other things that weren't going quite right and threw you under the bus and you're the one who took the hit and got the, the notice that your job was gone. Or maybe that person like that person you thought was your friend, uh, you walked the halls of school with, you, you maybe were, were, were that close that you shared those secrets, but one day you showed up at school or, or at work and, and everyone was looking at you differently because they spilled their guts and, and shared your story and your reputation took the ultimate hit. Like it's hard to love some people. And then there are some who, it might not just be hard, but next to impossible. Like that's the story that I want to share with you a little bit before I show you a video of what happened next. The story of, of Botham Jean, maybe some of you heard it. Like 2018, Dallas, Texas was the, se- the, the place where there was a lot of unrest. There was a police officer, a 10-year veteran of the force, who after her work shift was on her phone and was talking to somebody, went into her apartment, distracted, went to the wrong floor, one above her regular floor, thought of the last numbers of her apartment, which were the same on the floor above, except the first two were different. She got to the door, tried to put in her key, realized the door was ajar, 
As she opened the door, she saw someone sitting on her couch eating ice cream, and she instantly pulled out her gun and she shot. And Botham Jean was killed. A young man doing nothing wrong in his room. The unrest that followed caused the investigation to, to continue, and the officer was convicted. And I want you to think about being his sibling or his parent and how you would respond in the moment you had to, to make your witness statement as the judge was considering her sentence. Because that's what Brant, his brother, had the chance to do, and here's what he said. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And... I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Would any of you held it against him if he said, I hope you rot in jail the rest of your life? Would any of you held it against him if he said, I hate you for what you did, for the loss it caused me, for that sibling I will never see again this side of heaven? If we're honest, like most people would, at the least minimum, a Christian might say, Justice will be done, and I hope you get the punishment you deserve for your crime. But I'm just telling you what that video shows you is what I hope 
you see today and learn about God's best gift ever about grace. Like he showed grace. Like if you're working with a definition uh, of grace, I'm going to give you a few different ones today, but in general, grace, what you saw there is next level love. Like your spouse or your parents, like parents to kids, kids to parents, spouse to spouse, like when you give gifts to them at, at Christmas, you give them because you love them, but it's not grace that drives that behavior. Like that's not next level love, it's expected love. Like let's be honest, some of the kids who are sitting here today are expecting you mom and dad to show up with that gift under the tree because you're their parents. Like if you don't have any gifts for your kids' parents and they have nothing to open, they're going to look at you unless there's something going on in your world, in your home, and, and you can't afford it. And if that's the case, come and talk to me. We'd love to help you out. Like it's kind of expected love that Drake gives those gifts. But grace is next level love. It's giving a gift to that person, like, like sending a gift to your ex who ruined your life and simply saying, I'm praying for you and, and hope you're doing well. Like, most people wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't do what you just saw. And I want that to be in your mind because a lot of people are easy to love and some are lovable even though not perfectly and not always and some are, are so unlovable and we would not expect of giving them a gift. To have that in mind as you consider what you just saw as we unpack gift number three today, unwrap it. God's best gifts ever include grace. Next level love. We'll go back to verse 14 uh, of John chapter 1. That's what we're unpacking during the course of this sermon series. John chapter 1, can you fathom that? That over the course of five sermons, we are just going to focus in on one verse and five truths that are found in it. Like five sermons, 30 minutes in length, just about each, all in one verse. Because that's how full of the amazing gifts that God gives this uh, section of scripture has. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Next level love of God that grace is caused the creator to take on human form and be a part of creation. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. We talked about that in week number two. Like the, the God who is all glorious, who is worthy of praise, who, who shines as bright as the sun, came down to earth and set aside his glory. Gave us a few glimpses of it so that one day we might enjoy it in full. That one who came down from the father he came full of grace and truth. Over the next two weeks, we're going to pack that little phrase, grace and truth. We're going to focus our attention on, on what that gift is and why it's so significant. Next week, as we unpack truth, but to, for today, we're going to unpack grace. Maybe if you know our 922 values, one of our values is 200 proof grace and truth. Flows from this verse that Jesus came full of both of those and we want to be the same. So I want you to understand what it means that Jesus came full of grace. What is the significance for us in our life of faith? Why is this gift such an amazing gift, one of the best gifts ever? Well, to understand it, go back a few verses. Like remember the whole idea and the, the conversation about some people are on your gift list because they're deserving of it or worthy of it simply because of their position or relationship that they have with you. Like you get gifts for your best friend because of the closeness, the connection, it's deserved. Like your kids aren't perfect, but you're not gonna put coal in their stocking, you're gonna give them gifts. And God wants you to know that this gift that grace is, is a little bit different 
Like Jesus came full of grace, next level love to come down from heaven to earth, next level love for the God of all things to take on human flesh, next level love to set aside the glory that, that you are worthy of and have, and especially when you consider what he got when he, when he came. Like the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Not just the one who created the sun, moon, and stars and set the light into motion, literally. He is the light, like the way to heaven, the light of the world. Whoever follows him will never walk in darkness. Without Jesus, you will miss the boat. Uh, without Jesus, you won't be on the path. He was coming into the world. You need to see him. You need to get it. And He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, literally, the one who made everything was not recognized by the creator. Like Jesus knew going into this that the people that he was coming to would not see him for who he was. Like, just remember and think for a second about the reaction to Jesus that people had. His own brothers and sisters mocked and laughed at his claims of being the Messiah. His hometown, friends, and, and maybe some family members, one day as he declared himself to be the Messiah, picked up stones, walked him to the edge of the cliff, and wanted to kill him. Nathaniel, one who would become one of his disciples, at first, when he was told about Jesus, said, Nothing good can come from Nazareth. And the very people for whom he came, the religious leaders of his day, didn't like the message, didn't like the man, and were the ones leading the chance of crucifying him. His own did not receive him. I mean, it would be like if my mom and dad randomly showed up, like think of God himself coming down, if my mom and dad showed up at the door of my house unexpectedly and I looked at them and said, don't know you, don't want you, you're not welcome here. Like, do you think Pastor Tim is that bad of a person and that unlovable? I don't think any of us would do that. And that's what the world did. See, biblical grace is not just next level love, it's the highest form of love because it's undeserved love. Like in those that he came for did not deserve it. He knew that he, that he was going to be rejected by them, not received by them, and, and yet he came for them and he still came for you and for me. And if we're honest, we might look back and say, well, that was the people 2,000 years ago, Pastor Tim. Like they didn't deserve it for sure, but, but when have I ever done anything like that? Well, all the times that we walked with the crowd and followed it, as opposed to acknowledging God and, and his path. Like, let's be honest, we, we don't receive God for who he is or acknowledge him for who he is time and time again when we go down the path of sin. Like God's next level love, the highest form of love for you and for me and for all is what the Bible calls grace, undeserved love. Like, you and I don't deserve that. I like to think that we do, but God demands perfection, and he says, all who fall short of it are deserving of punishment and separation from him. Which is why I want you to see how amazing grace is through the lens of the additional word that's in there. Like, we use the word 200-proof grace because it's as high as it can get. But, but John calls the, the Savior who came, the Son of God, who came from the Father, 
full of grace. Like, he was full of it, grace. And you need to look no further than his life of how full of it he was. Like, Jesus, full of grace, sat down with the the tax collectors and the sinners to the chagrin of the religious conservatives of his day. And you know what else he did? He sat down to eat at the dinner table with those same religious conservatives. Try and tell them why he came. That he came. Proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God is near, repent. Like that's a full of grace savior for both sides of the aisle. Jesus was full of grace. Just look at the examples. Jesus offered grace to the denier, Peter, and made him the pillar of the early Christian church. Like, that's grace. (laughs) Jesus called Saul on the road to Damascus and took the one who was killing God's people and made him the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. That's grace. Like Jesus showed grace to Zacchaeus who climbed up in a tree. He could have walked past it and chosen someone far more worthy. But he said, Zacchaeus, come down today. I'm going to your house. Like you who robbed from so many people and lined your pocket with all their money. Jesus showed grace to the adulterous woman. First by drawing a line in the sand and and causing all those people to walk away and not stone her. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. (laughs) Like time and time again, even till the last moments of his life, Jesus was full of grace. Like grace that was offered to the people who held his arms down and pounded the nails through it. He said, Father, forgive them. That's undeserved love. That's next level love. That's grace. And to the criminal on one side, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Like, there's no way, if you walk through the pages of Scripture, you won't find example after example over the course of thousands of years of history of God's people of a God who is full of grace. It's why we sing grace is amazing. It's why we're humbled because grace is undeserved. He came full of grace. And in fact, a few verses later, there's another flavor of it that I think just helps you as you try to unwrap it. Out of his fullness, the fullness of God in human flesh, out of his fullness, the one who's full of grace, out of that fullness of who he is and and all that he did, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. If you want another definition, grace is not just next level love. Grace, biblically speaking, is undeserved love and grace is never ending love. (laughs) Like I don't think that that Brant Jean would show up again if that same lady, once she gets paroled, goes out and does the same thing and say, give her a second chance. Like, look at your life when you've forgiven somebody. Like, how many times do you let someone wrong you or go down that path with you before you say, no, I'm done with you? Like, eventually, eventually we don't. It's human. It's real. It's hard. But not so with God. Like, he offers grace in place of grace already given. God gave you grace and covered that sin. And you know what's going to happen tomorrow in Pastor Tim's life? You know what's going to happen tomorrow in your life? There's going to be something that you do that is not an action of love, but it's an action of self. And you know what God has for that as he calls us to repentance, as we confess our sins, more grace. 
more grace, grace on top of grace. It keeps coming, it keeps flowing, it will not stop. That's who God is. There is nothing that you will ever do that will make God love you less. There is nothing you have ever done that will make God love you less and nothing you could do in the future that will make him love you more. No, grace is God's reminder and the fullness of it that says, I love you. And in the arms of Jesus, who, who was nailed to a cross, we see how high and deep and wide the love of God is. That's next level, highest level love. That's grace, and that's for you. And it's daily, and it's repeated. And God wants you to know it and hold on to it and celebrate it. Like, that's his gift to you. Perhaps no one knew that more than Saul, now known as Paul to Christians. Like, did you know that in the Bible, the word grace is only found 118 times? Seems like a crazy, low, ridiculous number, right? Especially if you consider how often money's talked about in the Bible. Like, 118 times, most of them in the New Testament. John, who authored these words, only used the word grace three times. You already heard them all. In the first chapter, he never comes back to it, never revisits it. But 80 of the 118 times, they are recorded as God inspired them by that man named Paul, who was known as Saul. Like, he got grace. He knew grace. He understood how important it was for Christians to grasp the depth of grace, how amazing grace was in his life. He's the one who said, I'm chief of sinners. I am the worst, but I've been shown grace. And he knew what it meant for him. And he knew what it was. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, like mercy and grace sometimes go together. You know the difference between the two? Mercy is that you don't get what you deserved. Like that punishment that for the crime, you didn't get the full weight of the law. Like you, someone showed you mercy. They, they didn't treat you as your sins deserve. That's, that's grace, or that's mercy. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. Like what we deserved was, was hell, and we're not going to get it. What we did deserve was hell, and we're not going to get it. Jesus endured it because of his, who is rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. We couldn't do it on our own, which is a reminder of this truth. It's by grace you have been saved. Without grace, you and I would not be saved if it wasn't for God coming down and God going to the cross and God living a perfect life. Jesus himself, the fullness of grace, who came full of grace. Without that, you and I would not be saved. That's why it's one of the best gifts ever and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Not only did he pay for our sins by coming to earth, he gives us what we don't deserve and sets us apart with Christ, seated it with him in the heavenly realms in order to, that we might experience in the coming ages the incomparable riches of his grace. What he has in store for you one day is so undeserved, but you get it because of Jesus. That's grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit who's brought you to faith. He's opened your eyes to see Jesus for God and Savior, the one who forgives you. You've been saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourself. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to get it. It's God's gift to you, one of the best gifts ever. It's literally one of these things we're talking about that actually has the tag attached to it. It is the gift of God. He gives it. Not by work so that no one can boast. It's what we just sang about. We give him all the glory. He gets all the credit. Oh, Jesus, you are worthy because we couldn't do it. And yet we get it. Grace on top of grace. 
Like, I don't know what you would add to the list. Grace is Jesus doing what for you? <laughs> What's in your past that you think is so big and so bad? Like, add it to the list, like Paul and Saul and David, who were sinners, not worthy, but receivers of grace. And I think sometimes we could send, end the sermon right there and say amen. And you would see that grace is a great gift. You've unwrapped it to understand it. John chapter 1 uh, allows you to see the fullness of the flavor of it. It's the love for the unlovable. It's the undeserved love that, that is freely given, that never runs out. It's next level, highest level love of God. But maybe I want to make it a little more real for you. Like go a little wider, a little deeper, a little higher in the next level love of God's grace to truly appreciate it, like to unwrap it a little bit further. So I got a list for you. Like God's grace equals best gifts ever because six things. And there are Bible passages behind it, and you can look them up, but, but it's biblically true. This is biblical grace. It's undeserved love, highest level love. And here's what it means for you and for me. Grace, one of the best gifts ever. Reason number one, because it saves sinners. Like, and if we're all going to be honest in here, we're all sinners. <laughs> like, we haven't had a perfect day, let alone even close to maybe a perfect hour. <laughs> like, the thoughts that we've had, the words that we've spoken, the motives of our heart, like, we're sinners. But we've been saved <laughs> by grace. You and I won't get what we deserve. Instead, we will get what we don't, heaven. Because we are forgiven in the blood of Jesus who went to a cross. Grace, best gift ever because it saves sinners. And not only that, you know what comes along with, with when we sin, when we fall, when we fail? A whole lot of shame. You know what grace does? It covers shame. Like it covers it. Like we can feel shame for what we've done, but God wants you to know, Peter wrote the words, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That was the denier. You trust in Jesus. There is no doubt the devil cannot cause you to be convinced that, 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 that sin and the shame that came as a result has not been covered. The blood of Jesus covers your sins and mine, covers a multitude of sins, all of them. It covers shame. Like if you're walking around with shame right now from something you've done or something you struggle with, let Jesus be the word, the one full of grace who came to, to conquer sin. Let you hear loud and clear, it's been covered because your sin's been paid which then means grace does this, it relieves our fears. Like at some point, at some moment in your life, maybe it's when you get closer to the end of your life and the devil rears his ugly head one more time, he will want you to be afraid that you haven't been good enough, you haven't done enough, that, that what you did was so big and so bad that, that you, God can't overcome it and he won't pay for it. No, grace relieves our fears because it's not by, because of what you've done. It's not because you deserved it. It's not because you and of yourself are worthy. It's because God loves you the world. And Jesus came into the world and he paid the price. Let your fears be relieved, as the hymn writer said. It saves, it covers, it relieves. And I love this one, it trumps guilt. Like guilt is a powerful force. Like when we get overwhelmed with guilt and we carry it around for what we've done, we get paralyzed. Like it causes us to sometimes give up and believe, why, why fight it? Just give into it. 
No, hear me loud and clear. King David knew it. it. King David knew that you, Lord, have forgiven the iniquity, the guilt of my sin. Like guilt is gone. Grace trumps guilt. No matter how bad it, what you did is, no matter how big and how long you did it for, no, grace trumps it. Jesus' blood covers it. You are forgiven. Grace trumps guilt. And all those things mean this. It's the best gift ever because it saves, it covers, it relieves, it trumps, and it makes. Right here, right now, not just one day down the road, right here, right now, the Bible says you and I are a holy people. Like we are holy, we are perfect. When God sees you, like hear this loud and clear, guilt the devil wants you to hold on to, shame he wants you to believe is real. When God sees you, he doesn't see what you did. As far as east is from the west, your sins have been removed. Jesus paid the price. God sees you as holy. He sees you like Jesus. He sees you perfect. That's grace. Like, and it's not just what you're going to get in heaven. Yes, we'll be saints there perfected. But right now, you are perfect in the eyes of God, holy. That's your identity. That's your title. You are a saint. And one last one. Like, grace gives us access. Like, did you see what happened in that video? The unthinkable in a courtroom. Like Brandt asked for permission to get down off the stand and approach that woman and wrap his arms around her and give her a hug. Like when you get hugged, you know that you're loved. When you get hugged, you know that person cares. He wanted to get down and he wanted to do that. The judge actually got in a lot of trouble and heat for allowing him to do it because some people didn't want to see that kind of behavior in response, right? Like it's not normal. It's not usually acceptable. But he wanted her to know, <laughs> That in an embrace, what he, he said, he meant. And God wants you to know that same access is yours. Like you can approach his throne of grace in time of need. That's what Romans 5 says. We, we have access to God. And I want you to seek the God of grace the way Jesus described him in a famous parable. Like grace is the father. Like when the prodigal son returned, like, remember the prodigal son? He basically spit in his father's face and asked for his money before he died. He then took it and went to Vegas with it and lived it up until it was all gone and wasted. And only when it got so bad that he was eating the pig's food did he decide, I'm going to go home and fall at the knees of my father and beg for mercy. <laughs> Don't give me what I deserve. And you know what he got? I'm just going to say that if my son did that, he might be watching. Like, I might make him grovel a little bit on his knees. Like, own it for a little. I might be tempted to, to say, I'm hot right now. When you've knocked on my door, I never thought I'd see you again. Give me a day, come back. Let me think about it. Not so with the father in the story. No, this father in the story was watching for the son. The impression is, this had been going on day after day after day after day in the hopes that he would return. And when he did, he didn't wait for him to fall on his knees and grovel. He ran to him, embraced him. And when his son apologized, he said, son, you will not be my servant. We're going to throw a party. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. That's God for you and for me. And that's what makes this gift so amazing right now that we have access to that. But one day when you enter the throne room of God, he will embrace you for eternity.
Brant Jean couldn't have done that next level of love without knowing the highest level of love, God's grace. And I pray, friends, this Christmas that you not only appreciate it as one of the best gifts ever, but you never wrap it back up or put it away, but you celebrate all that it is. It saves, it covers, it relieves, it trumps, it makes saints, gives access. So when you think of this best gift ever, let the Apostle Paul's words be the last ones on it. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for grace and all that it is. Jesus, we thank you that you came full of grace and you offered it, you showed it, and you give it to, to each and every one of us because your grace covers our sin. Your grace trumps the guilt. Your grace covers the shame. Your grace gives us access and one day the ultimate access to the throne of God. So Lord, we thank you for grace.